We return uh, this week to our series in the evenings to the Gospel of Matthew. We took one week off last Sunday. And so today we, we will begin again in our series through Matthew by looking at Matthew chapter 12, verses 9 through 14. So Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 9, before we hear God's word, let's go to him in prayer. Please pray with me. Our Father and our God, we thank you, O Lord, for your mercy to us and your son, Jesus, who was stricken, smitten, afflicted on the cross to cancel our guilt. Father, we know and recognize that we love because you first loved us. And so we praise you, O Lord, and we give you all the glory for what you have done in your people. We pray, Father, that as we hear the gospel of grace proclaimed tonight, that you would create love in us, that you would rid us of selfish pride and uh, sinfulness, that you would make us more like your son Christ who died for us, that we might have life. For we ask this in his holy name, amen. Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 9, beloved, this is the word of God. He went on from there and entered their synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand, and they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him? He said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. This is the word of God. Well, our Westminster Larger Catechism teaches us about how to keep the Sabbath or how to sanctify the Sabbath on the Lord's Day. In the Old Testament, the Sabbath day for believers, for God's people, was the seventh day, the last day of the week, our Saturday. This was so for God's people until the resurrection of Christ, which happened on the first day of the week. Since Christ was raised from the dead on the first day of the week, God's people now, like us today, made up of Jews and Gentiles from all over the world, now we worship on the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, the Christian Sabbath. This is what the larger catechism says. This is how the Sabbath, or it asks this question. How is the Sabbath, uh, or the Lord's Day, to be sanctified? And I will just actually read it. I had that in my notes, I forgot. This is page 955 in the hymnal. How is the Sabbath, or the Lord's Day, to be sanctified? The Sabbath, or Lord's Day, is to be sanctified by a holy resting all the day, Not only from such works as are at times sinful, but even from such worldly employments and recreations as are on other days lawful, and making it our delight to spend the whole time, except so much of it as to be taken up in works of necessity and mercy, in the public and private exercises of God's worship. And to that end, we are to prepare our hearts, and with such foresight, diligence, and moderation, to dispose and seasonably dispatch our worldly business that we may be the more free and fit for the duties of that day. And so to sum up what the catechism is saying, the essence of the Sabbath commandment is found in 
delighting in God through worship. It's as simple as that. Delighting in God through worship, one day of the week, first day of the week for us, the Lord's Day. Now this integral part of the fourth commandment has not changed. With the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, significant changes were made. And so delighting in God and worship one day of the week was the essential command for the fourth commandment from the very beginning, and that essential command has not changed. Now, certain changes about how we do this command have been made. The time has changed, the last day to the first day, um, among other things. This teaches us in part that in Christ, with his coming to earth, a new age is dawned. We are a new creation in him. Just like the first creation, this creation was made on the first day of the week, so too the new creation in Christ began on the first day of the week. Since the resurrection of Christ was such a pivotal day in the history of the world, and the history of the church, other changes were made to the forms that God's people used on the Sabbath. There are no longer, for example, there are no longer priests who administer elaborate animal sacrifices on an altar in the temple that is done away with. Those were part of the ceremonial laws associated with the temple in the Old Testament. These types of laws have ended because of what Christ has done. As we just read in Isaiah 53, he was the lamb that was slaughtered. He was the animal slaughtered, like an animal slaughtered, to save us from our sins, to cancel the guilt of our sins. There is no other need for another sacrifice. And so those laws have been done away with because of what Christ has done. Also, Sabbath breakers are no longer stoned to death. Those deaths that did occur in the Old Testament teach us something about the judgment of God that would come upon his son for sin. People were executed for desecrating the Sabbath, and so they received the judgment of God against sin. And that is exactly what came upon the Lord Jesus Christ, with the judgment of God against sin, not his sin, but our sin. Jesus was executed so that in part he might redeem our time because we waste it, we abuse it, we misuse our time, and we think it's our time. We think we are the creator. We think we are the Lord. And yet... Jesus, despite our sin, was crucified to redeem our time. So we would once again not abuse our time, but use it in this age for God's glory. And so Jesus purchased our days. He purchased our time by being executed as a Sabbath breaker, even though he never broke the law. And so the capital punishment for Sabbath breaking associated with the Old Testament has ended as well. That's gone. Now certainly, if a member of the church, if a Christian who's a member of a church consistently refuses to come to worship and misses worship on the Lord's Day, then the leadership of that church obviously has to address that problem, and there might be discipline involved in that. But the kind of discipline is very much unlike uh, the discipline that took place in the Old Testament. Now, this was part, those uh, punishments in the Old Testament were part of the civil aspects of the Old Testament law that have been done away with since the resurrection of Christ. And so you have the ceremonial laws and the civil laws associated with the temple and with having a king 
Those are done away with because of what Jesus has done. God's people can still, of course, um, be disciplined for failing to observe the Lord's Day, but we are not, thankfully, stoned uh, with stones. With this said, the essence of the Sabbath keeping has not changed. Jesus was once again confronted by the Pharisees about Sabbath observance and this Old Testament uh, and this Old Testament Sabbath observance. So this is the issue once again with Jesus and the Pharisees was Sabbath observance and Sabbath observance in particular associated with the Old Testament. And so we go back to the large catechism. The Sabbath day is sanctified by making it our delight our delight to spend the whole time in enjoying God in worship and in fellowship with other believers as far as we are able. That's how we keep the Sabbath. In order to do this properly, we must rest or stop our normal work or our normal activity that we do on the other six days of the week. We have to shut that down for a time so we can focus on delighting in God in acts of worship and in enjoying other believers on this day. And it also says this, that so much of it as is to be taken up in works, except for, uh, and so we're to worship God, delighting in God on the Lord's day, except, it says, so much of it as is to be taken up in works of necessity and mercy. And so we shut down our normal work to worship on the Lord's day, but there is still room for other types of works. That is, works of necessity and works of mercy. In the previous section, we saw that Jesus let his disciples pick heads of grain on the Sabbath to feed themselves because they were hungry. And so, on the Sabbath, they ate, which was appropriate for them to do. It was necessary for them. Among other things, Jesus partly showed by this action that doing what is necessary to live and move is absolutely lawful on the Sabbath. You can't sing, you can't hear the word and pray if you don't eat. If you're passed out because you haven't eaten, you can't take part in worship on the Lord's Day, so you have to eat. You may need to take a nap. It is necessary that doctors and nurses work on Sundays because the sick don't stop being sick. On Sundays. And so, so also with firefighters and policemen. Fires don't just decide to go out on Sundays and wait to come back up on Monday so the firefighters can address them. Same with policemen. We need policemen to work on Sundays. Christians who labor in these fields, obviously, do the best they can to worship when they are able on the Lord's Day. But they have to work. And we've at Providence, we've had members in these types of fields who've had to work on, on Sundays precisely for this reason. And that is okay. That is lawful because these are works of necessity, works and sometimes works of mercy as well. But in general, these activities, jobs they, that we just discussed, they still need to be done on the Sabbath. If your house catches fire on a Sabbath, I would imagine you would not want the firemen to say, it's the Sabbath. We're off work. Uh, I'm sorry, but we can't tend to this fire in your home. And even if they did say that, I'm sure that you would begin working to save your house, which is on fire on the Sabbath. And so in God's eyes, works of necessity are expected to be done on the Sabbath. We partly saw that in the last section with his disciples eating. Um, So also works of mercy. 
Mercy is helping someone in a pitiable, lowly condition. The two blind men that Jesus healed in chapter 9 came to Jesus initially crying out to him saying, Have mercy on us, son of David. And so for Jesus to give them their eyesight when they were blind was a merciful work. He was merciful to them. They were in a lowly condition. As a result of their blindness, Jesus showed them mercy and gave them their eyesight. This is what we have here with the man with the withered hand, the dry hand. His hand was useless. It was physically malformed like a dried up plant. That's the way it's described. It had no strength. Jesus says to the man, stretch out your hand. And so he did. And the man's hand was completely restored to full strength. It was healthy like the other, as it says here. And so this man was in a weak, pitiable condition. He had half his strength available to him. Much of our strength is in our hands. Our hands, with our hands, we have the strength to lift up, to carry, strength to work. And so we use both of our hands to do all of these things. With only one hand available to you, this man's strength was cut in half. He had half the strength of a normal man. And so on this Sabbath day in his encounter with Jesus here, the man's strength was made whole. Jesus showed him mercy. That is what he did here on the Sabbath day. And so let's compare Jesus' attitude on the Sabbath with the attitude and the heart posture of the Pharisees on the Sabbath. They are all in the synagogue for worship on the Sabbath to delight in God. Because that is where you delight in God and worship with God's people on the Sabbath, on the, in the synagogue most likely. And this whole episode ends with the Pharisees secretly plotting together how to destroy Jesus, how to kill him. Verse 14, but the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. And so they have God the Son in their midst, physically with them, Emmanuel, God with us, standing with them on the Sabbath, and they hate him. They hate his presence among them. They don't want him there. They work to destroy him. When earlier, they were so upset about the disciples, quote unquote, working on the Sabbath. And yet here they are doing another kind of work, a work of murder. They hate his presence among them. Now this is significant because the Pharisees had all of these laws, man-made laws associated with the Sabbath. These were found in the rabbinic writings, not scripture, and so they were not divinely inspired. But those writings, the man-made rabbinical writings, were their standard of law. And so just like in the grain fields when they asked, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Lawful here, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Lawful here refers to Pharisaic law. They're man-made standards. The so-called laws a person could, uh, that they held, that held sway over the people at this time. In fact, a person could be stoned to death for breaking some of these strict Sabbath laws. In regard to medical healing, according to rabbinical teachings, a person could be tended to on the Sabbath only if their life was in danger. So you can see here the 
the meticulousness of these man-made laws. They're, they're quite ridiculous. In this way, then, Jesus broke their man-made laws. And so he was a Sabbath breaker according to their laws by healing this man on the Sabbath. And this is what they were looking for. They were looking for a reason to condemn him. Verse 10, they asked the question, so they might accuse him. Is it lawful to heal the Sabbath, on the Sabbath? Now, what I would like us to see here is how the Pharisees, by their words and actions, condemn themselves. First, the Sabbath rest was given to man to delight in God, to draw near to him, to have one day in seven to shut everything else down and to focus on the mercy and grace of God, his presence, to, ha- to draw near to him. God the Son is standing right in front of these men. Instead of bowing down in worship and glorying in their Messiah, their Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, God in the flesh, on the Sabbath, which is what the Sabbath is for, rather than worshiping him, what do they do? They work to kill him, to destroy him. They make plans on the Sabbath to have him murdered. That's how they use the Sabbath. When all this time they prop themselves up as those who sanctified the Sabbath, who treated it as a holy day because of all of their man-made laws. Murder was in their hearts from the beginning. This shows that even before Jesus came, they did not want God involved in what they did on the Sabbath. This was already happening. All that they were doing on the Sabbath that one day set apart for the worship of God's people was a sham. They didn't want God involved. To them, the Sabbath was a way for them to become like God. They could control the people's minds and hearts with their man-made laws. They could be worshipped. They could be served. They could hold the people in fear for breaking, possibly breaking all of these hundreds and hundreds of meticulous Sabbath laws. In this way, God's mercy was not magnified on the Sabbath. Their self-righteousness was magnified on the Sabbath. That's what they wanted to use the day for. And so the first is that on the Sabbath, the Pharisees did not want God present in all that they did on the Sabbath day. This was their attitude from the beginning, and it comes out into the clear with Jesus standing in their midst. And so they are devoid of love for God. That's the first thing. Second, they were also, because of their, de- uh, their lack of love for God, they were also devoid of love for neighbor. Not only did they conspire to kill a man on the Sabbath, verse 14, namely Jesus, a physically broken man enters the synagogue and instead of having compassion for his physical state, they see his withered hand, his strength cut in half, they see it as an opportunity to get what they want in regard to Jesus. In other words, they see him and they think they can use him as a tool, as a pawn to get what they want in eliminating God from all that they do on the Sabbath, destroying Jesus. This broken man then, right before them on the Sabbath, is nothing but a means to an end. That's all they care about. 
He is just, again, a pawn in their minds. This is similar to their attitudes about Jesus' hungry disciples in the grain fields. They couldn't care less about the needs of the people, both spiritual and physical. They couldn't care less about them. All they cared about were their laws. And so they were hard-hearted without love for God, without love for their neighbor. With all their self-exalting pride in their Sabbath laws, they were devoid of the, the two things that you were supposed to have and supposed to gain from setting the Sabbath day apart. Love for the Lord and love for your neighbor. They had neither of these. This is where we need to pay attention, friends. Sabbath rest one day of the week, both in the Old Testament, on, in, in the Old Covenant, on the seventh day, and in, on the Lord's Day in the New Covenant is time given to us, to God's people, to stop working, stop doing what we normally do and is lawful to do on the other days of the week, and especially, and more, more importantly, to rest from sin. Now, sin is not allowed any day of the week. It is something that we should do away with every day of the week, but Certainly, at least on the Lord's Day, that we would rest from sin. That we would rest from sinning against God and sinning against our neighbor. But we do all of this in order to draw near to God in worship, to enjoy Him, and as the Catechism says, to delight in Him. To enjoy Him, to delight in the Lord and in His mercy. And so it's a holy day, one that we should sanctify as much as possible. And so this requires planning and discipline. But we also need to keep in mind the goal in doing this. Why do we do this? Why do we set this day apart? Why do we think about it even before it comes so that we can enjoy it? Why do we do this? We sanctify the Sabbath in order to draw near to God in worship, to delight in Him, because that is an end in itself, delighting in God not necessarily setting the day apart. It is delighting in God. That's the end. We are given a day to know that end, to learn about that end. The day itself is not necessarily the end. Keeping the Sabbath is not an end in itself. The Pharisees did that. The Pharisees kept the Sabbath outwardly, but they missed the point of the Sabbath. And so... Drawing near to God in worship, delighting in Him, is an end in itself so that we might be made more like Him. Our character should be shaped by what takes place on the Sabbath. And what is God like? This God whom we are supposed to meet with on the Sabbath and delight in. Well, God is love. The Bible tells us that God is love. He is most merciful, most gracious, and full of steadfast love and compassion. And that love is ultimately revealed in the death of his very own son for undeserving sinners. That's who we meet with on the Sabbath. Or that's what the Sabbath is intended for. The Lord's Day is intended for. God is always giving, providing, and showing mercy. He never stops doing this. He never stops providing, giving, and showing mercy. He doesn't take a day off. 
He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He gives, he gives, he gives, he gives, he gives some more. He's merciful, he's merciful, he's merciful, he's merciful to people who are undeserving, and he never stops. That is the God that we delight in. So then if we claim to love this God, then we too, as God's people, should always be ready to do the same, to give, to provide, to show mercy on the Lord's day. Because we're like him. That's the point. Jesus, was the illustra- Jesus uses the illustration of the sheep falling into the pit to teach them and to teach us that this, that this question should not even be asked. Is it lawful to heal or to do good on the Sabbath? Let's, let's think about this. Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath, to be merciful to someone on the Sabbath? And Jesus draws out this illustration. Now Jesus, when he's talking about this sheep or this animal that falls into the pit and one goes and grabs the animal, the sheep, from the pit on the Sabbath. Now Jesus may have been speaking out of his divine knowledge of what some of these uh, people actually did on the Sabbath. Uh, it is likely that this took place, that this, something like this actually happened among these people, maybe even among the Pharisees. And Jesus knows it because he's God. He, he saw it happen. And so may, he might be speaking out of his divine knowledge that one of these people did actually save one of their sheep on the Sabbath day, pulled one of their own sheep out of a pit. Did Jesus use that as an example of their hypocrisy to condemn them and to convict them. We don't know for sure if that was the case. But what is clear is that pretty much everyone there would pull their sheep out of a pit on the Sabbath. Maybe it hadn't happened to them before, but they would. So the point is, this question about healing a man on the Sabbath should not even be asked. If we are willing to be merciful to an animal on the Sabbath, how much more should we be merciful to a man on the Sabbath? The question should not have even been posed if they understood what the Sabbath was for in the first place. That's the point that Jesus was making. Having mercy toward our neighbor on the Sabbath is a reflection of God's very own character in us. Now, beloved, on the Christian Sabbath, the Lord's Day, we draw near to God. We draw near to our Savior, Jesus Christ, who was crucified for us. The cross, again, is the supreme act of mercy. It's the supreme act of mercy to dig us out of the pit, to pull us out of the pit of despair and destruction because of our sin. We sing about this. We hear about this each Lord's Day. And this gospel truth we come into contact with on the Lord's Day should change our character. It should shape us. It should influence our heart and our soul. It should mold us into different people when we leave that day. If only by a fraction, it's worth it. That is what we're after, to be made more like him. So that we too might be merciful like Jesus who died for us. That's the point. Loving our neighbors, not hating them. And I would hope that this man, given his full strength back from Jesus, would use his new strength to show mercy to others 
on the Sabbath. He's got two hands now. Now he can do the same. He can spend the next Sabbath day looking for an opportunity to show mercy to someone else on the Sabbath. That's us. This is us. We have our full strength, spiritual strength in the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been made like Christ. We should show, be ready, quick, willing to show mercy every day of the week, but especially on uh, the Sabbath, because on the Sabbath, that's where we learn how to be merciful. Now, friends, if we find ourselves approaching the Lord's Day, ready to criticize others or even condemn them for what they are or are not doing on the Sabbath, we very well may be more like the Pharisees than like Jesus. But thankfully, if this is the case for some of us, and at some point it's probably the case for all of us in different degrees, thankfully God has given us one day in seven to help us rid ourselves of that kind of Pharisaical attitude. So may, may we use the Lord's day to this end. To Christ be all praise and glory now and forevermore.